1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Tom, it's been a it's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, we were just in. You have an accent
2: now. I, I know a French accent. It is.
1: Spent all this time in France, Lourdes, and this is our first time back uh, stateside. Well, welcome back. I know. I'm so happy to be How's here. Fra Tom, Fra Tom, all those guys—they're great. I need the Order to meet of Malta. It's a cool group, and to be there in Lourdes, France, is such a—that's a blessing. It was Absolutely. a lot of fun. We had a good time. So we are like, eager to get back into things here. Uh, sure. And get back into the regular routine of uh, the Catholic Cafe. And we uh, just, you know, somehow the Holy Spirit is at work. And somebody called, called up and said, he hey, you ought to talk to this guy. Yeah. So we called up this guy and said, hey, come on over. So he's sitting here in the luxurious corner booth with us. With what, us. It's, what a treat. Yeah, it's awesome. It's Father Gregory Boyle. Father Greg, uh, it's... So wonderful to have you. Now, you're uh, you're from L.A., right, and originally?
2: That's right. Originally, yes.
1: Yeah. I could tell from his surfer shirt and his... Uh, <laughs> Shades notes. and my board. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have actually quite an interesting story, and so we'll get into that. I first, want to just welcome you here. Uh, it's good to be here. Have a conversation about what you do, and so maybe enlighten our listeners about... Uh, maybe a part of society and a part of the world that we would conveniently just sort of dismiss and not want to think about or sweep under the rug or even worse you know think ill of and and condemn you know to some uh some island or prison somewhere and uh but yet such a vital service uh that you're that you're part of and um, the whole world of of inner city violence, of gangs, uh, and then you know, with crippling poverty and racism and bigotry and all the things, that, all the worst things that happen in the world. You know, to be in the middle of that, I think that's some of the stuff that you're that you're that you're that you're doing. You've created this um, ministry called Homeboy Industry. Some people might have heard about that. So, Father Greg, tell us a little bit about. Just what it is that you guys do, just in a nutshell.
2: Well, Homeboy Industries is the largest gang intervention rehab and reentry program on the planet. So we have about 15,000 folks a year walk through our doors. There are 120,000 gang members in L.A. County with 1,100 gangs. And so we've been around now for 28 years. This is our fourth location, so we keep outgrowing where we've been. Wow. And so African-American, Latino, Asian, uh, all gang members who are enemies with rivals working side by side and seven social enterprises from a bakery to lots of restaurants to um, training programs and curricular things, um, anger management, therapy. Hmm.
1: Right. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. And I guess, again, I, I would look at this. I just I speak about, about myself, Tom. Maybe you'd agree that these are the kind of things that maybe a guy like me would go. Oh, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. Mm-hmm. And I and I look at you, Father. And this is this is radio, so we all can't look at you. Maybe you can, they can Google your name and go and see your picture, but you don't look like a gang member, right? You don't you don't look like. And so I wonder how it is that you felt drawn to kind of. Did this just kind of grow? How did you feel drawn to, to well, work Well, I, was, in I world? was assigned
2: it to the poorest parish in the city of L.A. called Dolores Mission, and it was nestled in the middle of two public housing projects. And it had the largest grouping of public housing it was the Mississippi, and the highest concentration of gang activity wow. in the world was my parish. So I had no idea that any of that was true when I drove up in 1986. Thanks, Bishop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm a Jesuit, so uh, okay. thanks, Provincial. So <laughs> right. um, And so I started to bury kids. That was in 1988. So I buried my first uh, a kid uh, who was stabbed to death in a gang fight. And I buried my 206th uh, about three weeks ago. See, not, not all from that community. I but, understand. But that's know.
1: still, uh, again, that's something that... Mm, uh, most people don 't experience Mm-mm. we know it happens we we see it on the news or we, we we see it on the on the computer or we read it in the newspaper or whatever but most of us don 't uh, we don 't have to go to that funeral i guess i I know it wasn 't fun I know it wasn 't pretty, but can you describe the i mean that very first one what how that made you feel or
2: what that experience well, was. Well the first like. kid I, I buried was an identical twin, so I'll never forget that one because Ooh. his his name was Rafael, but his brother Roberto, even his mom couldn't tell the two of them apart, you wow. know. So for to watch Roberto look peer into the coffin and to see basically his mirror image. They're both dressed the same, um, it was like you'd slapped a mirror on top of this coffin. So oh. it was a kind of a Interesting first funeral because it was gang members killing their mirror image, if you will. And so that that has sort of stayed with me. So we did a lot of things. We started a school and then we started a jobs program. Then we couldn't find enough felony friendly employers. So we started uh, our own businesses.
1: I would imagine there's lots of challenges to starting something like that. But again, from the point of that, that first funeral and maybe as you started to move beyond, when did you start to feel like I guess if no one's going to do this, i, I got to do something.
2: Well, it was never, you know, someone will walk into our headquarters right now, which is in Chinatown in downtown L.A., and they'll go, how did you think this up? And the truth is you don't. You back your way into stuff. So mm-hmm. you're, you're just responding to what's right in front of you. So you, nobody had an inkling, much less myself, that it would ever evolve into what it is now. Interesting. So in the early days, it was just how do you, you know, middle school age gang members had been given the boot from their homeschool. Nobody wanted them. So they were wreaking havoc and were violent in the project. So we started a school for them because nobody would take them. So that so you were responding to you know tattoos so we had tattoo removal and we you know anger management and therapy so everything has sort of evolved over you you know, twenty eight years
1: not that you were actually doing this at the time but I imagine you know from your Jesuit formation and and such and the uh, spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius and consolations and desolations I mean essentially at the heart of that is let's kind of go down this path and And let's let the fruits kind of reveal to us whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. So, rather than plot out this future that is twenty-eight years later, we're really just let's one bite at a time. Let's try this thing, and we we didn't go this way. Let's go that way. So,
2: that's right. And so you you know you do what you're doing, and you try to find God in all things, and you try to imitate the kind of God you believe in. You know, the kind of as Ignatius used to say, the God who's always greater. So you're always trying to. Uh, especially at that time, you know, 28 years ago, the most demonized subgrouping of the poor, in Los Angeles anyway, was the gang population. Yeah. So, you know, um, they would demonize them, but they would demonize me for helping them. So yeah. uh, that seems hard to, in the first 10 years, we had death threats, bomb threats, hate mail. Hard to imagine now, but that was part of the air you breathed in the first 10 years.
1: And so, is this something you always? Let's you know, maybe in your discernment for the priesthood, did you always feel like, as you were kind of studying to be a priest, that you felt like you might be? I'm not saying specifically in this area, but you you were going to seek out maybe the lost, the forgotten, the marginalized. Is that something you felt drawn to, or was that something well, no, that just kind of came into? No, I would say it?
2: I did, but I you know.
1: Because um, a lot social, of the like to, like, like to teach and like yeah. to be in the schools and the universities
2: and such. And I had a good experience doing that in my formation, teaching in a high school. But then I went to Bolivia after I was ordained, and that kind of was a time of conversion to the poor. And then wanting to work with Spanish-speaking, so I ended up going to, assigned to the poorest parish. Okay. That was all 99.9% Latino, Mexican mainly, and undocumented. And so it was... Uh, and so then it was a vocation within a vocation within a vocation. So right. it was like a Jesuit, and then I want to work with Spanish-speaking, and then it was gangs. So I didn't seek it. It, it; it it sought me. Right, and and you, I guess you found a, a home in it. Yeah, or a so sense now of I'm ministry. kind of uh,
1: it's part of. I, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody. No, that's beautiful. Now you've been doing it for quite some time now. Uh, and I'm sure you've got lots of stories, and maybe we'll spend some time maybe talking about one or two of those. But I guess I, I want to spend a few minutes and talk about the people, right? We've we've been talking about gangs and gang members, and we talk about um, as a body, and it's so easy for us to just want I'm always amazed at when they talk about the New York Stock Exchange. That said, well, they were a little worried today about this number that came out. It's like they, as if it's like one person, mm-hmm. you know, it's made up of so many. And yet we do that so much to gangs. We'll talk about them as as, as an entity. And I guess maybe they are, but there are individuals. They're like people who were actually created in God's image and likeness. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to to realize. But I guess when you were in the heart of it, when you were in the middle of that, I guess you would see these, who are these people? Who are the people that are that are that are caught up in this life?
2: Well, you you can't demonize people you know. So all you have to do is put yourself in the vicinity of the uh-huh. poor and the least, the last, and the lost, as Martin Luther King used to speak. Mm-hmm. And so you know they're interesting and charming and intelligent, and and the day will never come when I have more courage or I am more noble than they are. So. Um, I was recently um, uh, asked by a hardcore gang intervention worker. He said, how do you reach them? And um, this is a guy in Houston. And I said, well, for starters, stop trying to reach them. I mean, can you be reached by them? Can, Can you receive who they are? And I think that's sort of the key. Otherwise, it's about me trying to change them or fix them Mm -hmm. or alter them in some way rather than receive who they are. Because that's a mutually ennobling moment when when you can do that with folks on the margins.
1: Now, do you struggle sometimes with, uh, uh, while I know, I, I doubt you laud their lifestyle, and yet you realize that you have a relationship with, with these people. And maybe it even helps people to understand, uh, even in their own families, there'll be people they disagree with, either a chosen lifestyle or a, uh, whatever. And sometimes it'll be a, a great division. And there's a difficulty to say, I love you, but I don't. How do you reconcile what people might criticize you for doing is, is, is enabling or coddling or supporting a lifestyle, which can be is usually devastating to lots of people, even themselves. And yet somehow you see some sense of hope or that somehow God might enter into the mix in some way to, to let him transform them versus you sort of fixing everything and coming and saving the world. Well, it's
2: like a drug rehab. I, I've never heard anybody accuse somebody who runs a drug rehab for yeah. coddling drug addicts or somehow co-signing on drug abuse. Right. You know, right. it seems pretty clear to people if, if you're tired of being tired of using drugs, you come here to this drug rehab. That seems abundantly clear to people that 's exactly what homeboy industries is, so it, it doesn 't co-sign on anything and in fact, it makes a, a requirement of you being part of the program is is that you don't that you step away from that that you leave behind that old version of yourself but, Great, yeah. but part of the thing is I had a woman who wanted to volunteer at Homeboy and she said, "You know I have to volunteer at Homeboy Industries, <laughs> and I said, "Why do you have to?" And she said, "Because I believe I have a message these young people need to hear." And I said, "Yikes! Uh-oh. You know, the minute you lose the message, I, I hope I hope you join us. You know, because we're not about the message. You know, it's about about seeing Jesus being Jesus. It's about relationship. It's uh, it's the only way that makes any sense. Otherwise, there's too much distance. There's too much moral superiority. Interesting. You now, know? and, and I, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you, especially since."
1: You've had so many years of, uh, we'll say, success. I'm sure you've had lots of things you'd consider failures, but the reality is you've had so, you've done so much in such in such a potentially lost and forgotten and devastated area that I don't think anybody would argue and say, well, he should have done this. Uh, so there's, I, I'm just a lot to to that. We're going to take a real quick break uh, before we do that. I want to remind folks at home we have got a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com com. Also. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back.
3: I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. Claire Oferduccio was born in 1194, the daughter of a count and countess. When only 18 years old, she heard the preaching of St. Francis of Assisi and was moved to follow the way of the Franciscan brothers and vow herself to a life of poverty, forsaking all the worldly comforts that her family could offer her. She gave herself totally to God, her eternal spouse. Upon the insistence of her friend St. Francis, St. Clare founded the Order of Poor Ladies, later called the Poor Clares. The poor Clares lived a life of extreme austerity and of absolute poverty. Instead of beds, they slept on twigs with blankets of hemp. The old walls and ceilings were laden with cracks, and the cold and wet weather seeped through. They relied totally on God's generosity to survive. They devoted themselves to prayer in silence. St. Clares' love of the Eucharist was well known. She looked to the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament as her dearest love. She found great strength in receiving our Lord in Holy Communion and spent many an hour in Eucharistic adoration. Referring to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, St. Clair said, Gaze upon him, consider him, contemplate him as you desire to imitate him. And she took her own advice to heart. Of St. Clair, Pope John Paul the Great said, Her whole life was a Eucharist because from her cloister she raised up continual thanksgiving to God in her prayer, praise, supplication, intercession, weeping, offering, and sacrifice. There are many miracles associated with St. Clair. Tradition tells of an attack from hordes of Saracen mercenaries who were advancing on the convent. She displayed a monstrance containing the Blessed Sacrament and prayed intently before it. Suddenly and inexplicably, the Saracens retreated. Later in her life, her health began to seriously fail. On Christmas Eve, she was not able to attend Holy Mass at the newly constructed Basilica of St. Francis. Instead, God permitted St. Clair to see the entire Mass in a clear and perfect vision on the wall of her small cell. It's no wonder that for this miracle she was named the Patroness of Television. Just before dawn on August the 11th, in the year 1253, St. Clair, foundress of the Poor Clares, passed quietly into the welcoming arms of Jesus. I'm Bess Droszymski, and this has been another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Tom Dorn, and we are talking to Father Gregory Boyle, who's from Homeboy Industries, uh, and uh, that probably wasn't named by your provincial Probably not maybe it was. I don't know. is he a homeboy?
2: No, it was no. I don't know how it was named. you know it was uh, our first venture was Homeboy Bakery, okay, so a funder who was a very wealthy movie producer summoned me and wanted to help and so I said, why don't you buy this old abandoned bakery across the street from the church? It has ovens. we'll put hair nets on rival gang members we will big bread. I don't know <laughs> we could call it Homeboy Bakery, which was the extent of my yeah. business plan.
1: Very good, so we were talking about the people. What is that person I mean what are they doing? are they are they trying to change their life or they're, they're sick of violence or they someone just died or they're who is that well person?
2: in re- recovery, they always say it takes what it takes, so it, it's the same as with a gang member who wants to redirect his life, so it can be the death of a friend, the birth of a son, a long stretch in prison, whatever it is. it takes what it takes, but mm. our program is not for those who need help. It's only for those who want it, so you have to walk right. in the door. And then I'm either there or I'm not there. You know, I have homies who run the place now. Uh-huh. So so it's drug testing. You have to come for an orientation. You have to be interviewed. We only really take the violent and the serious offenders. So some, if we think somebody can really, isn't in need of, of our place, which is a community of healing right. and tenderness, then we send them, you know, we help them find a job elsewhere. But we mainly want the you know the disagreeable and the uh, headed and so we're, we're, you know, you hear cherry picking. We're the reverse cherry pickers. Okay, we kind of want folks who are really um, worst of the worst, gnarly. <laughs> yeah, but the individual that sits in front of you are are they
1: trying to impress you? Are they do they try, are they testing you? What, well, what no, the, they
2: all they all want. They'll they say, "I need a job," you know. So, right. which is not the way to get brought into our program because it's more of a program. We pay you. Like a job, okay. But so while they come and they work and they're trained and they deal with themselves, they mainly do the work on themselves, the interior work, you know. Because uh, a transformed, uh, unless you transform your pain, you're just going to keep transmitting it. So every single one of them is stuck in a despair that's pretty dark, um, hugely traumatized and damaged, and or you know mentally ill. So those are the three profiles of a kid who joins a gang. Anyway, right. it's also the profile of the folks who walk through our doors. So we try to infuse hope, we try to heal, and we try to deliver mental health services as well.
1: Now, so what does the structure of the place look like? I mean, do you do you turn all these people into altar boys? I'm probably not. But what what, what does it look like? Do you have? Uh, uh, is it like
2: dorm rooms? Is it what, what? No, we don't. It's not a residence. So uh, it's nine to five, Monday through Friday, and you come in, and you know we have our kind of rituals of the day. We'll begin with what we call morning meeting, and then you know hundreds, and so we have like four hundred workers who are in our training program, right. part timers and full timers. Then we have another whatever uh, eighty, what we call core, and then we have uh, another hundred senior staff who are the trainers and supervisors and most of them are former gang members who've been through the program so those guys sort of run the program now cuz i've you know been able to step away a little bit are they uh, are they guys girls a mixture it's a mixture it's probably 40% female though the you know 120,000 gang members in LA county only 3% are female Interesting. so so it's you know um, to kind of achieve some kind of parity where you're 50 50 you know again we're dependent on who walks in the door and women are, are more prone to want to change their lives uh, than the guys are frankly right. so um but it's mainly a guy thing so okay. you, say, you said it's a program so i go into it for example am i in, in it for just a short period of time and then it's i graduate 18, 18 months okay and then you move on but we pay you during the 18 months so and then hopefully i'm moving on to a, a real profession a and real then career we help you locate gainful employment behind uh, after your 18 months but the point is who's the only inmate who won't reoffend and go back to prison and and that's a healed one so and plus we work only with the serious and the uh, uh, violent offender so we help that person heal and that way we have a singular impact on public safety but we're also helping this person to um right to redirect their life
1: We have to assume that some good is being done and that God is at work here because you've been going for how many years you say it was 28 28. Uh, and Lord knows how many more years and maybe you've had to slow down. But it sounds like you have some other folks coming behind you Mm -hmm. that you were working with to kind of. Uh, you know, maybe one day you'll have your little picture on a plaque, and people say, "Who is that guy?" You know, mm-hmm. and and we pray for that day. They'll, they'll say, I have no
2: idea who that guy is. Beats me. Yeah,
1: yeah. but uh, do you when you? But, but something has to warm your heart in this. I mean, there, well, it,
2: the whole thing does. You know, I mean, again, it's, it's it's only about people inhabiting the truth of who they are, and somehow discovering that they're you know exactly what God had in mind when God made them. So everybody there becomes an enlightened witness, somebody who's holding the mirror up. Not only is this gang member being returned to himself, but I'm being returned to myself in the process. So, uh, But it's endless, the stories of folks awesome. who, who don't go back to prison, but also become resilient human beings, and they've discarded kind of a, a version, an old version of themselves for something that's uh, you know, more joyful and true to their own self. That's awesome. Now, I'm sure there's some folks
1: who are listening right now who would say, well, man, this sounds like it's good. and maybe I haven't thought about it before, and maybe there's some good stuff going on there. How can I support it, or how can I find out more information? Uh, do you have a website you, you would send them to?
2: Yeah, to Homeboy Industries. You, it's the only thing, you know. You don't have to do all the www anymore. You just kind of humble
1: industries, and it'll it'll Google will find you. That's
2: right. That's it's right. a new verb,
1: Google. That's right. So, uh, and what are they going to find when they go there? They're going to f-
2: well. You'll, we got a Facebook page, and you know, you have all sorts of. It'll explain all our businesses. You can order online uh, a lot of our you know stuff from our retail store. You can order baked goods, you know, which we do a huge business at. You know, Christmas, Valentine's Day, uh, St. Patrick's Day. People and just to reiterate, cookies. this is not
1: about making money so much <sighs> as it's about supporting a ministry.
2: Well, we're an $18 million annual operation. So nearly 50% of what we need comes from our businesses. But that's a heavy lift. You know, we still have to come up with like $10 million to keep the thing going. So right. Year.
1: So either way, so if you're listening and you've got $10 million, Father <laughs> Greg would love to hear from you. But if... You know the little thing that you can do is to go and order whatever the hot cross buns. I don't know what you guys sell in yeah. the baked goods, but to go there and to support something that I guess I just have to reiterate: some of us, it's so easy for us to forget, especially the guy in prison. But you know, the guy, the gang member who we think is well, they're they're evil. You know, we've demonized them. We've said they're evil people, and really they're living a lifestyle that they've grown into. Maybe some of them don't even know it. It's, it's all they know. And it may be their version of family or their understanding of family and
2: so Yeah, but but no no kid is seeking anything when he joins a gang. He's right. always flinging something. So ah. and so I stand in awe at what these kids have had to carry and try not to stand in judgment at how they mm-hmm. carry it because I wouldn't have survived one day in their childhood. Me too. I- and so then all of a sudden you, you you're filled with a sense of awe and compassion. That's beautiful.
1: So, anybody wanting to know more information can either, I guess, Google Father Greg Boyle uh, or you can uh, check out Homeboy Industries to find out more how you can support it, offer your prayers, and then also just to spend some time thinking about people we don't normally think about and that we so easily cast aside. That's right. That's beautiful. So, Father Greg Boyle, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Would you uh,
2: mind closing us uh, in a little short prayer? Loving and faithful God, we ask that you fill us with your spirit. You give us your heart. You help us take seriously what Jesus took seriously, inclusion and nonviolence and acceptance and unconditional loving kindness. We pray to walk in the same walk as Jesus. Help us to be mindful of those who are at the margins. May we go out to them so that the margins will be erased and that the circle of compassion will widen so that no one will be found standing outside that circle. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
1: contact the founder and executive director of homeboy industries father gregory boyle or to find out more about homeboy industries go to www.homeboyindustries.org or send him an email at gboyle at aol.com that's gboyle
3: b-o-y-l-e s-j at aol.com